This series is important to every one of our lives. The truth is, our lives are part of something much greater than we understand or can imagine. Now, let's learn about the kingdom of God and how we play into it. How many of you have ever heard the saying where we ask, uh, you know, say something like, you're beating your head against the wall. Anybody ever heard that phrase, you're just beating your head against the wall? Now, here's, here's the thing. We know that's just a saying, but I want you to play along with me for a moment. Uh, imagine that you actually are at work and you have such a bad fight with your boss, you go outside and you start beating your head against the wall. And, and so somebody comes out to you to do you a favor and explain, hey, that doesn't actually work. Like your head will hurt and the wall will not. Like there's an inescapable result here. You know, the whole idea of this saying is that you're going about things the wrong way. But wouldn't it be nice if somebody actually came to you and told you when there is an inescapable law operating in your world? Wouldn't that be nice, right? Well, actually, that's exactly what I'm here to do today. We're gonna close out this series on a message that I'm gonna call the, the laws of the kingdom of God because there are some things that are operating in our lives. Let me give you an illustration. Now, it doesn't matter what I want this, this ball to do. If it's my will for this ball to stay in the air, too bad. If I command it in the name of Jesus to stay in the air, too bad. It does not matter how hard I throw it, how high I throw it. I at least tried for that empty spot. Tried not to hit anybody there. There you go. It doesn't matter what I want. The ball will come down every single time. Why? There's an inescapable law called gravity. And just as God has put some laws into effect in this natural world, he's also put laws into effect in his kingdom. It determines how his entire kingdom operates. And since you and I are in the kingdom of God, our laws, are deter our, our lives are determined by these laws. I'm gonna go ahead and tell you this sermon's a little different from the others. It hopefully will still be very good because the content's important, um, but it's gonna be very different. Matter of fact, let me just say it this way and, and let me just apologize up front. This is not a good sermon. And what I mean by that is the mechanics of it are all bad. I'm going to break all of the rules that I teach our staff. I'm going to do what I would never allow anyone else to do on the stage here today. You see, the reason for that is because there are nine laws of the kingdom. So I debated, I could add nine parts to the series. Anybody with that one? I mean, we'd be up to like 13 by the time we're done. Yeah, no? Okay, I'm hearing no's. You guys don't wanna do this all summer long. So instead, what I'm gonna to have to do is give you all nine laws today, and that means this is a nine-point sermon. That's what I mean by bad mechanics. The way that I usually try to preach, I, I try to give you one thing that you can remember, that you can take out of this room, that you can put into your life. You've got a whole week to work on that one thing because you're gonna come back next week and get another thing. And today, I'm gonna to give you nine things. It's gonna be very, very important for you to take notes, and not just because you're in church and the pastor just said so but because we don't remember nine things. You'll be lucky if you remember two of them by Tuesday. And the reality is you're going to need to come back to these because here's what I can promise you. Either tomorrow or next week or next month, you're going to find yourself very frustrated. And when you do, you're going to want to go back and look at these laws. And then when you do, you'll go, oh, that's the problem right there. But you can't do that if you don't have them written down somewhere, either on a sheet of paper in the front of your Bible or on a sheet of paper you put on the refrigerator or in the app. By the way, if you've got our app, all you gotta do is fill in the blanks. 
All the notes are right there. So are you guys ready? Nine points, Hermie, come on. Can I get an amen for that? All right, well, here we go, everybody. The laws of the kingdom, because this is what determines how your life goes. The first law of the kingdom is what we call the law of priority. Simply put, there is one thing that comes before all else. And if we miss that, well, then life is very painful, sometimes very fruitless. Jesus said, so don't worry about all these things, saying what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. But seek first the kingdom. Y'all get that priority there? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. If you notice the emphasis on these things, I'm proud of you. If you didn't, I'm worried about you. Uh, but the point to that was that Jesus kept saying, don't worry about these things, these things, these things. What, what is he talking about? We gave some examples. And actually, he's talking about the three things that we learned about in part four. There's only three things the whole world has to offer. There's only three things that the devil uses to try and separate us from God and lure us in. And that's pleasure, possessions, and promotion. Everything is about that. But God says, look, if you will seek first my kingdom, I'm gonna give you all of those in the right way, in a healthy way for the greatest enjoyment of your life. The problem though is that we live by what we call the human condition. And humans seek after those three things, the three things that the world has to offer. Well, we want to get the most out of it in this world, right? And so we go after those. Well, the problem is when we start going after those and making those our priority, well, we miss something. So for instance, when we, when we seek pleasure first, it's a, a never-ending pursuit. And I promise you, you'll always lose something in return. Matter of fact, if you seek pleasure through eating any food you want and as much of it as you want anytime you want, you will lose a long life or a healthy life in the end. One of the two is the trade. If you seek pleasure through laziness and comfort and just enjoying every moment in a hammock, and you're probably going to lose a meaningful and purposeful life. If you seek pleasure through sex with another, you could lose a marriage. When we seek possession first, we will never have enough and we'll spend all of our lives chasing stuff. You ever heard the saying, it's okay to have stuff as long as stuff doesn't have you? Well, see, when you seek the kingdom first, God gives you stuff and it's okay. But when you seek stuff first, it's because stuff already has you. Matter of fact, stuff has you before you even have it. You've got pictures of it on your wall. You look at the magazine and the catalog over and over and you dream about that brand new truck that you want and, and you gotta have that. I mean, you wake up and you're just thinking which color, I mean, it, you don't even have it yet and it already has you. When we seek promotion first, we make this life all about us and it's way too late before we realize it never was. You see, God's intent is for us to have all these things because he's a good God. But to have these things in the right way where they don't have us. All of these great things, like taste buds. Let's talk about pleasure. Taste buds, God's idea. You realize that? I mean, you could eat a steak, like when you have COVID and you don't taste anything. But it's God's idea. That filet mignon, like, wow. Sex, God's idea. White sand beaches, blue water, and a Sabbath to enjoy it. God's idea. How about promotion? Outdoing one another and showing honor. That's in the Bible. God's idea. God promises to clothe us better than the lilies of the field. The righteous never go hungry. God promises us we will have 
what we need when we put advancing his kingdom first. We will have all of the things that we need and in the greatest way for the greatest fulfillment. Law number one. Let's move on, everybody, to the second law of the kingdom, the law of faithfulness. If you are faithful with what you've been given, you'll be given more. But if you're not faithful with what you've been given, what you have will be taken away. That doesn't sound fun, does it? But that is how God operates. It's the law of faithfulness in our lives. See, here's where Jesus taught us. He says, for it, and and if you'll allow me to pause right there, he's been doing a long discourse on the kingdom of God. So the word it, every other place that already said that, and since we're doing an excerpt, I'm just gonna add that in for us. For the kingdom of God will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his ability, and then he went away. The story goes on like this. The one who got five talents, he went and he engaged in business, and he ended up with 10. The one who had two talents went and engaged in business, ended up with four. But the one who only had one, well, he didn't want to engage in business and do anything, and he was actually afraid of getting in trouble with the master. So he says, you know what? I'm just going to bury it. Well, the master comes back at some point, and he wants to know, what'd you do? And so the one that had five and turned into 10 comes to him, and here's what he says. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. See, it turns out in order to have much in the kingdom, you have to be faithful with a little. You'll be given little as a test. What you do with a little will determine if you ever have more. So the one with two comes and he says the same thing to him. That it turned into four. But then the last servant shows up. And well, he comes back and he has his one. And he says, I was afraid. So I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here you go, have what's yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful, which means lazy, servant. I don't know about you, but when I read that, it seems a little harsh, doesn't it? Wicked? I mean, the guy didn't steal it. He didn't lose it. He didn't gamble it. He gave it back to you just as you gave it to him. Maybe a little extra dirt on it. I mean, he did bury it, I don't know. But it seems like a little bit of dirt Wicked is just not quite an appropriate term for getting it a little bit dirty. Are y'all with me? But see, here's the problem. We don't understand the word faithfulness, and that's why we violate this law in our lives all the time. We use the word faithful in a way that God does not. We say things like, oh, don't worry, Bob will be here. Bob is always here. Bob is so faithful. That only means dependable. We have substituted the word faithful for dependable. But the way God sees it, faithful is always bringing increase with what you've been given. Faithful is not showing up on time. Faithful is doing more with something than you've been given. It moves the kingdom of God down the road. God expects faithfulness for what we do. So here's the reality. We all have natural talents and natural abilities, and we're gonna answer for those when we get to heaven. And we need to think about that for a minute. Here's the reality. Someday we're gonna show up. Hey, God, here I am. Woo, all of me, still got me. Didn't lose any of it. Got all 10 fingers. All 10 toes, I'm still here. Oh, and the gift of leadership you gave me, I got it, here to give it back. Uh, And and that gift of of teaching, yep, yep, here you go, I got that too. Uh, That gift of generosity, yep, here you go. Didn't do a lot with it, but here you go, I got it all back. Didn't lose it. God's already told us the response. That's not what I wanna hear when I get to heaven. How about you? Now here's the thing, it doesn't just matter about heaven. It matters now. Because the story continued. Here's what the master did. He said, so take the talent from this one 
and give it to him who has the 10 talents? For to everyone who has will more be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Does that bother you? I mean, that seems so unfair. The dude only has one. It didn't even grow. Let the man have his one. No, 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 no. You're gonna take away from the one who has the least and give it to the one who has the most. That just seems so unfair. At least that's how humans see it. But it makes perfect sense. Give the most to one who's doing the most. And that's how God sees it. We need to start to differ faithfulness from dependability. God expects us to bring increase to what he's given us. Whatever your gifts are, whatever your talents are, whatever your resources are, whatever your life is, the law of faithfulness. Be faithful with what you have or you will never be given anything more. The third law is what we call the law of promotion. It's also known as the law of greatness. And look, here's the reality. Everyone in here wants to be great at something sometime. Nobody in here has the teacher that says, I wanna be a loser forever, right? We all at some point want to not be the bottom rung of the ladder, the lowest on the totem pole. Jesus called them to him and he said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles, and let me just define that word if you're new to the Bible, you'll always see the Israelites and the Gentiles, kind of those two words showing up together. The Israelites were God's people. The Gentiles were not. So you can substitute when you read the Bible. When you see the word Gentiles, you could put in not God's people. You could put in unbelievers. You could put in people of the world. So we're gonna read it that way. So you know that the rulers of the world's people, well, they lord it over them. And their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you in the kingdom of God. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. See, this is so backwards. In the kingdom, the way up is down. The way up is down. You, you want to be great, you serve those who need serving the most. Couldn't be more backwards. Anybody ever watched crabs in a bucket? Anybody ever seen that? You know what I'm talking about? You put crabs in a bucket, like any fisherman or anybody in here, if you've ever gone to the beach, and you, you put several crabs in a bucket, what they do is they try to crawl up and they'll crawl over each other to get up. And if one of them by any chance makes it to the very top and he puts a claw right up on the top, you know what they do? One of them will grab him and just jerk him back down. There's never been a more perfect illustration of humans. Like we will climb all over each other and stab each other in the back. Good thing that crabs don't have knives. And we'll stab each other in the back, whatever it takes to get to the top. And if somebody dares to get to the top and gets where we want to go, then we'll do something to tear them down. But the way in the kingdom says, oh, wait a minute, you want out of this bucket? Let me serve you. And you help them. It's exactly opposite from what we do in this world. God says, you want to be great? You make others great. And then I'll take care of you. And I want you, let me give you just the, the most perfect illustration, the only illustration that can't be beat. Jesus has been given the name above every name. Y'all follow that? The name above every name. There is not a single name that will ever be higher. Michael, one of the chief archangels, that's a cool name. No, not gonna get it done. Gabriel, that's a cool name, one of the angels, not gonna get it done. There is no name, not a human name, not a spiritual name, not in the spiritual realm, not in the earthly realm. Nowhere will there ever be a name more exalted than the name of Jesus. And how did he get the highest 
exhortation? Well, because he served the most. He served the least. I mean, think about this. Jesus at perfect heaven. And he voluntarily said, I'm going to, to live a life on the earth so that I can save my people. He, he was never hungry, and yet now he is. He was never thirsty, and yet now he is. He was never tired, and yet now he is. He had perfect fellowship. I mean, all he had was the Holy Spirit and the Father, and everybody always was, it, there was no sin. It was amazing. Next thing you know, he finds himself down on earth with a bunch of morons going, which one of us gets to sit at your right hand? I mean, seriously? And as though that wasn't enough, then he gave his life on the cross in the most horrific death possible to serve the people who were at that time enemies of him. You see, the more you can do to help others succeed, the more that God will promote you. Being the greatest servant will end up making you the greatest leader. The problem is that's the kingdom way, and we've been shown the human way. Do whatever it takes to get where you need to go. Watch out for yourself because no one ever will, and it traps us. Number four, the law of perseverance. The law of perseverance. Here's the truth we can't get away from. Everything we go through in life, God is building our character and our faith. Did y'all hear that? Everything we go through in life, God is building our character and our faith. There is a purpose when things do not come easily. And so to our benefit, most things don't come easily. You know, I've never gotten an amen for that anytime I've said it. But it is how God designs it. Because God calls us to be persistent and to persevere in the face of difficulty. After all, parents in the room can attest to this. Only spoiled children expect it to come easily and be exactly what they want all the time. Jesus said to them, suppose one of you goes to his friend at midnight and says, friend, lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine has come to me on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. <laughs> How many of you just want to say, your problem is not my problem. <laughs> but anyway, he says, suppose the one inside answers essentially that, right? Do not bother me. My door is already shut and my children and I are in bed. I cannot get up to give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up to provide for him because of his friendship, yet because of the man's persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. Get up, I need some food. I already told you I can't come. I don't care, my kids are in bed. Not for long. He may not have a friendship come morning, but he will have bread before the sun comes up. You know what I'm saying? We are called to be persistent, and here is the truth. He keeps going, he says, so look, uh, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Knock and the door will be open to you. And knock until the door is open to you. And here is the truth that we need to know. Persistent prayer is the primary tool for knocking on heaven's door. Persistent prayer is the primary tool for knocking on heaven's door. This is the part we miss. Look, okay, if, if you've ever heard, anybody heard of flare prayers? Y'all know what I'm talking about, flare prayers. You know, you shoot up a little flare, go psh, that kind of thing. So there's this thing called flare prayers, meaning you just kind of shoot something up to God and hope he helps. And you've all done it, right? When you see blue lights behind you and you don't have time for intercession and, and you've got like 10 seconds, oh God, let me get a warning ticket, you know, or that algebra test you didn't study for and the teacher says, here's your test. And you're like, test what? God help me, you know, flare prayers, right? And so here's the thing. 
uh, third prayers have a place, they have a purpose. You know, if somebody comes up to you and says, hey, I'm not feeling well, can you pray for me? And your answer should not be, no, I cannot pray for you because I do not have an hour to intercede. It is okay to say, sure, I'll pray for you. God bless you. I pray you get well. Have a nice day. You know, I mean, that's, that's okay at times. But let me assure you, some of the greatest things that you want out of life and some of the greatest things God wants for your life, you will not get answered in a two-second prayer. You will have to knock and knock and knock and knock until the door opens. The problem is many of us are easily discouraged, oh, so easily discouraged. Too many of us say, well, I prayed and I prayed. I don't know, I guess, just not. So we're too easily discouraged and the devil knows it. That's why some of us get so much pushback is because the devil has figured out, I just got to come and harass you for three days and you just give up and walk away. Persistent. We have got to learn to knock, knock, and knock until the door opens. Number five, the law of faith, everybody. Faith at its simplest definition is believing when you don't see it and you don't have it. Here's a key truth you need to know. Faith starts with God, not you. Faith comes out of what God has said he will do and who he is, plain and simple. Now, God can speak to you in your prayer time. Maybe you're praying about something. A doctor says, I don't have an answer. And God says, that's okay, I do. And I'm gonna use your life as a testimony. I'm gonna show everybody that I'm a healer. He doesn't always say that to everybody when they're sick, but he may say that to you. And then you can grab onto that in faith. You add in the knock, 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 knock until the door opens and then you see God move, right? There are other times God speaks to his word. Look, anything God has said to you in here, you can grab onto in faith. One of my favorite things to do, my, my journal is filled with prayer requests, things I want God to do in my life. And, and every one of them that I can, I attach to a scripture to say, God, you told me you do this. This is what I want to see done in my life because God has made promises in here that you can hold on to. God says it this way in Romans. Clearly, God's promise to the whole world to give the whole world, earth to Abraham and his descendants was based not on his obedience, but on faith. So the promise is received by faith. And even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping and believing. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead. I think that's funny. And so was Sarah's womb. I bet they had a fight over that one. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. No reason for hope. Exactly. No reason for hope. God says, I'm going to make you the father of multitudes as numerous as the stars. But the dude's 100. His wife is past childbearing age, and she was barren before. There is no chance for hope, no reason to hope in the natural. Like, it'd be okay if they had one kid, and they just said, well, man, that one kid, man, he's going to be fruitful. It's all in his hands now. You know what I mean? They don't have one. They have none. There's not a thing they can do and no reason to believe. I mean, it's one thing when you're saying, oh, oh, God, you know, give us a kid. But when you're 90 and 100, are you kidding me? But God said he would. And so Abraham believed. Abraham had faith. Here's the truth. Miracles and some of the answers to prayer in our lives 
is the law of faith at work. I'm going to tell you this. Without this faith, some of the things that God has deemed for us we'll never see. We have to believe in faith what God has said. The sixth law of the kingdom that governs our lives, everybody. Law number six is the law of agreement. Here's the problem. Thanks to our sin nature and fallen humanity, agreement is not natural for us. Division is. Criticism is. And so our natural condition is division. We will have to go against our ways to get what God wants for us. Did y'all hear that? We are going to have to go against what comes naturally to us in order to get what God wants for us. Let me explain how this works. Agreement is how we come into unity. And unity is the channel for God's favor and power in our lives. Y'all follow that? Unit, I'm sorry, agreement is how we come into unity. And unity is the channel for God's favor and power in our lives. And we have a saying that we like to use because we don't get along very well, right? Disagreement comes naturally. And so we like to say things like, well, we just have to agree to disagree. Can I tell you that might be a useful tool to avoiding a conflict and not getting fired at the moment? But that does not bring God's favor and blessing into your lives over that situation. When you say, we just have to agree to disagree, it means we just got to agree to do it on our own way and, and there's just going to be no blessing on it. See, but agreement that turns into unity that unifies people is when you can find something higher that you agree on that is higher than what you disagree on. Let me give you a very, very practical illustration. I'm going to give you a real one. You'll all know it because it's about you. If you have noticed, Grace Life is a diverse church. We are socioeconomically diverse. We're diverse in age groups. We have different racial and ethnic upbringings. We have different preferences. We are politically diverse. We're diverse. And so obviously the last two years has been a difficult time for us to be on the same page. You know what I'm talking about? Because some of you used to sit next to someone, then they put them on Facebook. You sit on the other side of the room now. We're still waiting on God to work. I'll preach on forgiveness again later. But imagine during that time we did an outreach, which by the way, we did many. And imagine as we're doing this, you get two people. Yeah, man, look at our world. Our world is such a mess. Yeah, let's go do an outreach because our world needs some help. And one of them says, yep, I think the solution is this political party and this candidate. And the other one says, no, no, no I think the solution is this political party and this political candidate. Well, we're just going to have to agree to disagree. So I tell you what, you walk on that side of the street, I'll walk on this side of the street, and we'll just ask God to bless us. Let me just tell you, there is no favor happening in that place that day. But what did happen here, at least I heard a lot of these testimonies, is when somebody can say, my opinion is I'd like to see that happen politically. And well, my opinion is I'd like to see that happen politically. But what we can both agree on is that Jesus Christ is the only answer. He's got the only solution. And if he can't do it, there is no political party that'll ever solve any problem that we have. And so we can each have an opinion, but we have an agreement that is higher than our differences. And therefore we come into unity that we want to see God move in his favor and see people come into the kingdom today as we go do this outreach. And next thing you know, you have favor and you have blessing on that. We need to understand this law operates at every level. And we are running into this all the time. Families, marriages, people, please, marriages. 
countries, business partners. Like we, we fight over things, we get into a disagreement and we allow our disagreement to be the highest level. When our disagreement is where we stop, then there is no way for unity and no way for God's favor and blessing to come on that. We have always got to work above our disagreement to get to something that we can agree on and be in unity over. Let me give an illustration. It's something like you've got a husband and a wife and they want to spend money two different ways. And you say, well, you want to spend it this way. I want to spend it this way. And we can just fight about our money and we can go get counseling and we can end up just, you know, always miserable. You'll never have God's power in that kind of disunity. But you could step above that and say, well, you want to spend it this way. I want to spend it that way. But you know what we agree on is we want our retirement to look like this. We want our future to be like this. And so right now we can pray God's blessing over where we're going and we can get somebody to give us some advice on our opinions, but we agree on what we want our future to look like and God can start to bring his favor into that. Maybe you say, well, I want little Johnny to go to my alma mater. And the other spouse says, well, I want little Johnny to go to my alma mater. And you could stop and you could fight right there and you could both try to manipulate the kid and go, well, I'll give you a car if you go to my school. Well, I'll, you know, you do that thing. And there's no favor. There's no unity in that family. Or you can say, well, look, here's what we can agree on that is higher than our disagreement. We agree we want God's will and his best for little Johnny. And so we can begin to pray every day that God will do his will for little Johnny. And you'll figure out which school is the best because we have opinions, but God knows what is right for him. You see, if we could stop as humans getting to a place of disagreement and say, well, I guess we'll just have to agree to disagree. That's the dumbest thing we do. It stops the fight for the moment, but it also stops the blessing in favor of God in your life. We have got to learn to work past disagreements to find some kind of agreement. Are y'all getting this? Jesus said, again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, can I just tell you, husbands and wives, if y'all could get on the same page and start praying, oh my goodness, your lives would change. If you would start asking for the same thing and get in unity, It'll be done for you. He said, look, y'all just fight so much. If the two of you can get on the same page, it's going to be done. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I'm going to join in. That's why the Bible says, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves, but a cord of three strands is not easily, easily quickly broken. Did y'all see that go from one to two to three? One, too bad. Two, you can do pretty good if you're in unity, but if you're in unity, then we're going to add in something that's going to be a cord of three strands. Where did third come from? We've got, we, we've got some math nerds on our sermon review team. And so we came up with like this little algebraic cosine kind of formula for you. So this will only help the nerds in the room, but it's kind of cool. But it's on the screen here for you. And it looks like this. If you can get two in unity, God promises to get on board. And the other side of that equation is three that cannot be broken. Now, I don't know a lot about math, but I'm going to tell you what. One standing over here going, well, we're going to disagree because my way is always right or it cannot be broken with God on your side. You choose because we got to move on. The seventh law is the law of authority. Look, here is how this law works. To have authority and to exercise authority, one must be in proper relationship with authority. And that is both God and people. God first, people second. Parents disobey God and their surprise kids disobey them. Seriously? You can't have authority if you're not under authority. Jesus said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. I, I, I don't know if y'all caught that neat little reminder Jesus gave there. He says, all authority has been given to me. Now I'm gonna give all authority to you and you can go tread on. And by the way, I just reminded you, I saw the one who 
rejected all authority and has no authority, who has fallen, and you can actually tread on him. I saw him when that happened. So watch out as I give you all authority. Just remember somebody else. That's what he's doing right there. See, the reality is we need to remember the only authority we have has been given to us in the spiritual realm or the natural realm. You have no authority that was not given to you. Do y'all understand that? I know some of you, your wills are turning. Go, I don't know about that, Jimmy. I worked pretty hard in my career. I did this, I did that. I don't know, no. You have no authority that was not given to you. You did not die on the cross. You did not defeat Satan. You did not rise from the dead. You did not create the world. You have no authority that was not given to you. You say, well, I have authority as a parent in my home only because God gave it to you. You say, I have authority as a teacher. A principal down the hall gave it to you. You got authority as the vice president of sales. A CEO somewhere gave it to you. You got an authority as a colonel. There's a general somewhere who gave it to you. You got authority as the big brother. Only to your parents get back from their date. <laughs> to have authority, you must be under authority. I, I would like to preach a whole series on that sentence, but I got to go on. The eighth law is the law of responsibility. And this is how it works. With increased blessing and revelation comes increased responsibility. If you've been blessed financially, you are responsible to bless others financially. If you've been blessed with salvation and you know the secrets of heaven and what Jesus did for you, you are responsible to share that with others. See, the law of responsibility says everything you have was given to you for a reason. And you are responsible to accomplish that reason, period. It's your job. Your future reward and your continued blessing comes from being responsible to do what it was given to you for. Jesus said to everyone to whom much was given, of him, much will be required. And God told Abraham, I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that, so stop, no so that. Just bless me and make me great. That's enough. See, God never talks like that. It is not. I want to bless you, make you great, because I just want you to be great down there so you rebel against me. No. You've been blessed. I'm going to make you a great nation. So that. There is always a so that, so that you'll be a blessing. And the question that we all have to ask, look in the mirror and go, how many times has God given us something for so that? And we didn't do that so that. And then things stop coming. Because if we don't use things for the right reason, we've all done it as parents. You give your children something to go and do something and they break it or they don't do that with it, you're not quick to give them something again. If we're not responsible to carry out the purpose for which we've been given something, if you have money, you need to go talk to God about why you have it. If you have talents and skills, you need to talk to God about why you have it. If you have influence, you have a position of power, you need to talk to God about why you have it. Everything that's been given to you, there's a so that. And that brings us to the last one, the ninth law, the law of sowing and reaping. I put this one last on purpose, not because it's more important. And even though it is its own law, it sums up why they are all inescapable why you have to know all nine laws and you can't get around them. It's called the law of sowing and reaping. It's unbreakable. You can't cheat these laws. See, Jesus said, be merciful even as your father is merciful. Judge not and you will not be judged. 
Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgiven, you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. For with the measure you use it, it will be measured back to you. And that's the truth. You can't get around. For with the measure you use it, it will be measured back to you. You see, we all want mercy, but are we merciful? We all want gifts, but are we generous? We all want forgiveness, but do we forgive? It does not work to be a bitter person who holds a grudge and then to expect someone to be gracious towards you. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, one of the ones I teach my children, Galatians 6, 7, whatever a man sows, he will reap in return. No way around it. You plant it, it's growing. See, Jesus taught us the golden rule. Whatever you do, you should do because you want others to do unto you. Do unto others what you want them to do unto you. Got it right the second time, sorry. Here's the point. Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you because it will be done unto you. You can choose to do what you don't want. It's just going to come back on you. Or you can choose to treat people the way you need to be treated. Man, you know what would say change our world like night and day? Like it would be a totally different place if we actually said what we'd want people to say to us, treated people the way we'd want them to treat us, forgave them the way we'd want them to forgive us. I mean, can you just imagine that world? So back to us. We left off beating our heads against the wall. As a pastor, I, I try to help a lot of people and they're usually pretty frustrated by the time they sit down in my office. Things aren't what they want them to be. Life isn't the way they want it to be. And I can tell you in all my years of doing this without exception, I need you to hear those words, without exception. As I hear them talk about what's going on, I can see one of these laws being violated in their life. They come to me and they say things, well, you know, but I deserve that promotion. I'm the hardest working. I've been there the longest. Like, yeah, but you never served anybody else and God was watching. See, you were living under the law. I just need my boss to be watching. But one of the things we misunderstand, humans do not rule your reality. God does. God has promised, you want to climb the ladder? Be the bottom rung. Serve others. People say things like, but my children won't listen to me. Well, because you don't listen to God and God's watching. Law of authority. Seems the rich only get richer and the poor only get poorer. Yeah, maybe so. Because at least for the most part, the poorer you get, the more you tighten the purse strings, the less you give, so the less you get. But the more you get, the more you're generous, so the more you're giving. People say things, but what about tough circumstances where I didn't have anything to do with it? Spiritual attack, like that, Jimmy. I'd say, yep, law of perseverance. He who's in you is greater than he who's in the world. Can you stand up long enough to win the fight? Can you knock on heaven's door enough times? You see, here's the very simple, what should we do with this? Everybody in here knows gravity is an inescapable law. That's why you would never jump out of an airplane without a parachute. You wouldn't do it. And so now that you know the laws of the kingdom are inescapable laws, like you can't cheat them, you can't get around them, you can't break them, can I encourage you, please stop jumping out of an airplane and being surprised when you hit the ground. You're a citizen of the kingdom of God. There are laws that rule the outcome of your life. 
And now that you know them, maybe no one's ever taught them to you, but now you know them and hopefully you did write them down and you can go back and look at them. I want to close with a warning of sorts. There's a reason that you don't believe me when I say you can't cheat them. There's a reason some of you are like, oh, he's just talking about the majority of the time. No, I'm not. But the reason you think that and you believe that, a perspective that messes us up, you've sped without getting a ticket. You lied to a teacher without getting in trouble. You were late for curfew. You didn't get caught. Every one of us can talk about something in this world where we got away with it. Well, that verse I told you I taught my kids, that was just half of it. The other half of it is this. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. These are God's laws. And when you say, well, you know, I'm going to stab people in the back and make my own way and take care of myself, and then I'm going to ask God to bless me. No, it doesn't work. When you try that, you're mocking God. When God gives you money to bless others, but you keep it all for yourself and then say, God, bless me again, you're mocking God. When you've been given the, the knowledge and the, the forgiveness of salvation and you don't care about the lost people around you, you're mocking God. Everything that God has given us, all of these laws, anytime we're like, yeah, I don't care about them, I can cheat them, I can beat them. You're mocking God. Here's the truth. God is everywhere, even if your boss is not. God is always watching, even if the cops are not, or your parents are not. This is his kingdom. These are his laws. They are inescapable. They do govern your reality. So I close today by giving you a very simple challenge and choice. Now that you know, you're responsible for what you know. But now that you know, live by the laws of the kingdom or live frustrated, beating your head against the wall because that's your only choice. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you that you have given us the insight to understand how life in your kingdom and upon this earth works. Today, we, we say to you, we understand that the laws you have created are not to uh, take away anything or to keep us down, but they are actually meant to empower us and to help us understand how to bring your favor into our lives. So God, today we say, we wanna to surrender to you and your ways, your laws, what you would do, how you would have us do it. That's, that's what we want. And God, we repent of all the times that we've tried to live according to the laws of this culture and this world and then been mad at you for the results that we got. Would you forgive us? If you're just staying in a place of prayer, I wanna to speak to those of you that have yet to make Jesus your king. As simply as I can put this, every single one of us has had either a thought, an attitude, or done something that separated us from God. We call it sin, but the good news is God has an answer for that. He sent his son Jesus to live a perfect life, to die on the cross, so that his death would pay for our sins. And when he's raised from the dead, you and I can have eternal life. We call it the free gift of salvation. But every one of us at some point has to receive that gift. And if you've never done that, I wanna help you do that right now, wherever you are. Simply pray and say something like this to yourself and to God. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died for me. And so now I choose to live for you. 
I thank you that you love me. I thank you that I'm forgiven. My simple prayer today, would you fill me with your spirit and give me a life of great meaning in your kingdom? Amen. Would you all help me celebrate with them?